You insolent fools! It is I, Jarset! The age of analog is that what I said? The age of analog. Oh, we we kind of did the, uh, the oh, baking stuff. I don't know what you want to call this one. It's not even a versus. But I'm Matt Thurston, the fire starter. Um, special agent John Hunt. Um, Lieutenant Guy slash Hobo. <laughs> <laughs> you Clay Inferno here. Oh well, thanks. Because of the last episode, go back and listen, um, we've talked a lot about Army of Darkness and Sam Raimi's way of making films and how they started out making these Three Stooges-inspired films. And they had all their friends and everything. And, and we used to say, well, when we did that, we had a bunch of references in that episode that, that nobody knows that nobody that, cares yeah. about. But Basically, me and Derson knew because Clay doesn't remember any of it. I don't yeah. remember a damn thing from the '90s. It's a, it's a blank. <laughs> I do yeah, remember some things. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. But in the early '90s, it's kind of the era that I that we're going to start up here. I guess. Uh, I guess unless you want to go back even farther, but nah, early we, we, John had a video camera, like a VHS and a vision, camera. and a vision, and we we made. First, we made a very short movie called Durson the Firestarter, which then we made. now is a little, I don't know, is that wrong? Should we not? <laughs> Basically, it was me pretending to shoot fire out of my hands and we burned And then we burned action, action figures, figures and filmed it. And yeah. then we made a sequel that was and also then, short. Yeah. And then we made, we made like four of them. Yeah, we made and four Durson the Firestarter movies. They got longer as, as we went on. And my, my, my abilities to do stuff increase because then i got like a mixer and stuff so i could put in music yeah. in the background and and by the time i had a, amassed enough stuff i was like let's redo these and put an actual story to it well yeah but there was also another thing going on because your sister brought the tape to a oh, party right. yeah i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why she did it either i guess was it because like some people she knew or some people they knew would be in it like the party was attended by a bunch of people from my high school class as as maybe you as well clay i i don't know you may have even were they even dating at this you might have even been dating at this time uh sure okay so <laughs> <laughs> anyway clay, clay's gonna not be a reliable witness on the, for okay. this portion Whatever. of the show you might yeah, have been Specificity is not my strong suit at thinking about uh, Durst of the Firestarter. I knew that it happened. I knew that I was maybe in it. I had no yeah. idea. I played two parts. Yep. <laughs> I'm not, I'm just going to come out and say that it is not without, like, this is not an exaggeration to say it probably changed my life, at least at that time, right? Because I remember walking in the following Monday, walking into my high school, and Randy Shepard came up to me, who I had known for many many years but we barely spoke like we didn't hang out we didn't hang out in the same circles 
I didn't really hang out in any circles. I wasn't that popular a kid. I'll just touch it. <laughs> I wasn't even allowed in a circle. <laughs> I, I, I was too much. Of I a was circle. a dot. I had one. <laughs> wasn't even a circle. But anyway, Randy came up to me and he said, oh, my God. And I was like, what? He's like, Darson the fire starter. I said, oh, no. <laughs> That's and how I feel about it now. <laughs> so excited. And he couldn't wait. He said, when are you doing your next movie? I want to be in it. And so that kind of changed where that because yeah we've we've mentioned Randy before as being uh, uh, somebody that maybe we should call and see if he wants to be on the podcast sometime. But he uh, he's he's led an interesting life. He has like a cool job and stuff. Post Durson career, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But but he's always been uh, very much a catalyst for make connecting people. Like he connected me with you know a band and made us all friends and like he just connected a lot of dots he was like kind of like that guy i guess you're right like in retrospect um he didn't think of me probably in the same way that i thought of him which was just like he's this guy i never talked to you know (laughs) but we had gone to high school together a couple like in many all the years of school like all through the school system I mean, nothing against him, but I never spoke to him that much. I mean, he was so excited by this movie that we had made, this dumb little movie. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he played Lieutenant Ace in the expanded edition that John really wanted to make, like a real feature-length movie. Yeah, we took... uh, Like the Snyder Cut? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So we took took the the first three, and I took the elements of those, which wasn't a lot to the story and uh and then uh, and but we did four all together and the fourth one was like uh like a 45 minute opus so i was like let's refilm these first three and have them tie in with the fourth one and about halfway through us doing it i was like fuck it I'd let, who cares about content let's just do what we want just like sam raimi yeah, yeah exactly yeah. So you had to go that... back to the studio for some reshoot budget <laughs> yeah so there was a lot of references to like i i basically took the story structure of like robocop 2 and uh akira and yeah. a bunch of bruce lee movies and just kind of combined them all into that and 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 the origin of spider-man and mushed it all together yeah, that's right there was an origin of spider there was a lot of references in this movie yeah. and uh you know it's but i guess the point of it all right is like well i we were in high school i guess you were a little older, i was so i was in college yeah. then yeah yeah, so I, but, I turned 21 when we were right yeah it took us a while but we had everyone took, we knew it, it took us and... a, uh, a, over a year to do it all because we had yeah. to stop filming for several months as we suffered a snow covered crown from uh, <laughs> from I can't remember when uh, but it was several months of uh, yeah. just had a lot of snow that year so we couldn't film it yeah because it was supposed to take place in summer. I remember like the coldest day of the year, though. Oh, like, yeah. I think in February, like going down and filming at your place down on the Cape. Uh, the, yeah, Cape Cod, Cape Cod uh, North Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. And figuring uh, it would yeah. be warmer there. Yeah. Well, but it God, wasn't. It was so cold. Yeah. No, it's definitely colder down there. Yeah. Yeah. I had a can of soda and it froze in my hand, like while I was outside. Yeah. Like we were filming. And while we were filming. Filming uh, on, the, on the beach. Yeah. Oh my God. Not the beach with uh, that's all rocks now. No. no. <laughs> Not that beach. No. Uh, but yeah. So, but the thing was, I guess, basically, yeah, like we we had to 
corral like anyone we knew and i guess this is kind of like what you were saying clay like about randy getting people to film with well, us yeah, like, it was basically because of randy like because it was yeah. only going to be the characters that we had in our original three which was me you and our friend yo who's on the monkeys episodes uh right. yeah. monkey episode uh go back to listen to that one and, and the mike uh, nesmith the mike yeah nesmith. yeah and uh that was basically gonna be it and uh greg head and uh but then all that like randy kept knowing people so then we just start, i started adding characters and doing things like that and it was uh yeah was lee fun. mansfield yeah we even had his a friend in it. yeah it's good that was a first for us <laughs> it was great like but yeah it was all vhs edited and, and by you I, I'm not yeah take i was credit. yeah the old days where it's like i hooked up my camera uh, and I ran it through that mixer and into a VCR, and yeah, it was like you just had to hope and get it. If you didn't get well, it, you just had to do it again. On on the on this point, uh, quick production uh, question too. I remember I, when I got like a super, not it's not super eight, high eight video camera when I was doing some video projects. We'll we'll get there in college. I, I got a camera. And we would try to film as much stuff in camera as I could, you know, so there wasn't any edits. It's like, press the button, then shoot the next scene, press the button, press the button. So you right. didn't have to do as much cutting. But it, I didn't know actually you had the uh, mixer and VCR yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. I We didn't film it in order, that's for sure. And uh, <laughs> but and I had I had a plot uh, written on on like yellow notepad paper and what I would do is I'd be like, here's what we're going to, here's the scene, but I didn't have any dialogue. And I would just turn to Durst and say, uh, help me to come up with something for him to say. Yeah. That's what started our collaboration. I guess so. And then like, I, I was like, you know, this is fun. I think I'm going to major in film and stuff. You know, like I thought I was going to do this. You to like, try to enjoy studying the film. Yeah. I was going to be Quentin Tarantino. And when I went on like a talk show, I'd be like, Oh, my friends and I made movies in the yard and whatever, you know, like in our neighborhood. Yeah. And Conan's like, okay, let's show you some. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, no. the and it shows the Mac and me clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, like to say that that was life changing is not an exaggeration. Like I didn't want to major in film I, uh, before that. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I considered switching my major in college from illustration to, to film at a certain point. I was like, I'm really enjoying this more than I enjoy illustration. But uh, I stuck with illustration instead. And see, I'm still not doing illustration work. So. Well, you know, you probably wouldn't be doing film work. We all had dreams. Um, but yeah, I mean, this kind of was what it was like to be a creative person if in the we, early I, 90s. Our, our budget was made up of bottle returns. We got like 300 and something <laughs> dollars that. in bottle returns. And we used that to buy toy guns and uh, nice. fake, blood, fake blood, like that. I remember uh, one day we were going, we had a bunch of people. We all piled in your car to go film something and you had very low on gas we all literally threw whatever change we had like we all had change <laughs> and i think we bought like two dollars and 63 cents worth of gas like you could get that that would almost fill up your car back then i you know? know back then it was a lot different but like we were like, I, I got i got 50 cents you know like <laughs> yeah didn't like, have I a card or anything when uh oh right when my friends and i went on tour for spoken word in the 90s uh my my friend rich goes Bring all the silver change you have 
for gas. <laughs> I just like thought that was a funny thing to say, and uh, I've always thought about it. Bring all the silver change. Silver change. Yeah, never mind those fucking pennies. And like, so when you read about, I mean, I guess you don't hear about it anymore, right? But like Sam Raimi and, and guys like that. I mean, Kevin Smith even, you know, was big at the time, or uh, I guess around that time, Clerks. When did Clerks come out? Ninety four. Yeah, so yeah. just after we had started doing all this. So we started filming right. in August of 93, and I think we finished filming in November of 94. Wow. That's and, pretty. Because we had filmed it, I edited it all, and then I was like, uh, we need we need reshoots. And to, uh, yeah. the, the movie just ended. Didn't, it didn't like ease you out of the movie, so we went and shot an extra, an extra scene. Just like Army of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Do you mind giving maybe you're already planning on doing this like even just a free like elevator pitch what uh, yeah sure what is the story five sentences i gotta something. i gotta remember it's been so long <laughs> um oh a retire uh a retired uh, derson can you do this just yeah like so we did like the <laughs> we kind of did like the rambo thing where Good. our uh, the general goes and finds you in the woods chopping at a tree yeah, I'm, i played like, the, back. the main hero of, of the yeah movie. The heroic lead. That's right. The, the and I'm the I'm the I'm the bad guy. So I found out what I was a drug dealer. I guess yeah. posing as a high school student. <laughs> yeah. selling well, technically cocaine. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. selling cocaine. We were like, and we wrangled in, you know, one of the teachers. Yeah, that was, uh, that's right. Okay. The music teacher, and like, which you would never be able to do, like, and you pulled a gun out on him and stuff. No, pulled a toy gun. Toy, yeah. gun. toy so gun. So then, so yeah, so uh, me and my partner. Uh, go chase the Durson drug dealer into the science fair experiment, which is the takeoff on Spider-Man and the Firefly gets radioactive and bites him on the hand and gives him the power of fire shooting. Fire, fireflies yeah. can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's fireflies, yeah. Uh, and then Durson gets on a, sneaks onto a boat a la Dracula and right. to South America and then starts gaining followers a la Akira, and, uh, and we have to go after him and save the world. Well, yeah, because there's, there's all powerful. Yeah, I, I forgot also, yes, at the very beginning of the movie is unearthed by uh, the military, which our friend Randy was Lieutenant Ace, and uh, there was uh, Major, Major Dick. Dick. And uh, uh, such an such a 21 year old's idea. <laughs> and, Lieutenant uh, Guy. And yeah. you're a lieutenant guy. Yeah. And uh, oh, and there was also Lieutenant Boris, who was like a double agent right. for the mysterious yeah. Madam X of the Bromelia Empire or something. Uh, yeah, this was intricate. Wasn't it? Who was played by my uh, ex, uh, d weird dummy. And uh, <laughs> and so that's yeah. So it's a race to get the orb that and uh, yeah. and save the Earth and stop Durson from getting the orb and his followers and uh, and uh, then we win. Yeah. So good, so good, much good like. So much like the Joker movie, um, <laughs> the villain, the villain is the title of the movie, but you're the heroic lead. Yeah, of course. Jump. Yes. Yeah. I think we did just, just for Predator. I guess. I think they just thought that. I don't know why we thought they thought. I think we just thought Durst and the Fire Started sounded. Yeah, like at the studio thought. Yeah. Sounded like a, a turbo. You got some notes from the studio that yeah. that John heroic lead wasn't a good title. Yeah. yeah. Right. We didn't even make up names for ourselves. We just kept like, <laughs> like Darison. Yeah, Darison, me, and yo. 
you know? <laughs> Greg Head, who yeah. then played his brother, George, who looked exactly like... <laughs> yeah, this was... Um, we got so excited. We were going to film another one where, like, Randy was the bad guy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was going to be nothing like what we had done before. But I, I was just getting a little too ambitious for what I could actually pull off in 1996 at that point. Whoa, 96. Yeah, 96. It was going to be... It was like Special Agent Hunt was going to fake his own death. And oh I don't God. know. It was going to be something at a parade or something, too. I can't remember. It's a long oh. time. But yeah. Well, but, you know, it was kind of crazy. We had all these ideas. And yeah. uh, and didn't do anything after. It's anything. One and done. I was like, that's all I need to do now. That's well, it. <laughs> it's more than a lot of people do, I think. I mean, I don't know. I kind of figured everybody was doing this all over the And there, there obviously were people. But like, I think a lot of people were shooting like gangster movies and stuff or something, you know, like like Tarantino, you know, like. If I can speak from an outsider's perspective, somebody literally from across the tracks in North Abington, North Dakota. Yeah, that's North North Dakota, really. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so North, North but like that's Canada, the excitement that Randy was like, "Oh my God!" He sparked us to be like. I can't believe these guys are doing this cool thing. They're making a movie? Like, that's awesome. Like, we were all like, how do we become, like, rock stars? How do we, you know, how do we do something? You see, like, you guys doing something, like, totally cool and creative. And, like, we just kind of wanted to be, like, literally have a bit part in it. Like, yeah, let's, well, let's help you out. Like, because yeah. this is a cool thing that you're doing. And we're not doing shit. Well, you, know? you were... You were doing stuff. You, you were all. You were pretty much rock stars, as far as a lot of people around town were concerned. Literally. But this was different. This was a different thing. Well, what was funny about it was that people started recognizing me and Durson in places that, like people we didn't know because of the tape getting around. Which yeah, that was, was kind of embarrassing. That was, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was still kind of cool too. But yeah, know? nobody said you're the dummies who made that. Shit. Yeah, they're like you know. They were, they, they, they're like, do you know? And I was like, yeah. So, oh, yeah, no. You know, All right. Just... So, yeah, on that note, someone literally contacted me on Instagram like a couple years ago. Saying, See that power? I, I, found yeah. this, I found this tape. He was from Columbus, Ohio. And he said, I found this VHS tape in this house. And there used to be other people living here and blah, blah. Like, it. I found out eventually how he got his hands on it, but, but he sent me like a digital version of the clip. It wasn't the whole movie. It was a clip of Jarrison the Firestarter. And it was, it Can was we put wild. that up somewhere? <laughs> I, I'll have to try and find it. I think it's just, it's, but yeah, it's, so that's, yeah, literally the tape getting around. Here I am in my forties getting a, a message saying, I, are you, I got this thing you did, did when you, you were 17. Yeah. I was like, Oh no. I mean, yeah, that's how this shit gets around, I guess. I got, uh, actually, there's um, a house around here somewhere that has a Lumina. And uh, I think <laughs> you every time I drive by it, because we just shot the scene where I'm jump like, on the, the top yeah. of the hood. <laughs> oh, man, that's good stuff. But yeah, it does kind of get around. We were from a small town and, and people... And Dan right was there. in it too, right? Yeah. He, was he, he major was, dick? He was major dick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was and my I remember that. I, man. Yeah, he, he was, was a big guy. Big guy. Shaved his head and stuff, so he looked like an imposing fellow, which he, he wasn't in 
No, you know, he was really sweets. nice guy back then. Yeah. Oh, but our, I guess our sequel to this, which you weren't involved with, Clay, because that was during the, the years where it was quiet, was that we did a um, a mock making of, which oh. uh, which we had our friend Jay Penny host, who played the character Getty Lee in the movie. And, uh, oh, on the and, nose? Well, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the just joke. like everything else. I, I get it. I get just it. Yeah. Everything else. Yeah. Very, um, very but he was another one who really wanted to be in one of our movies. Like, yeah. He was really yeah. excited about it. So, and so, let him be in it as Getty Lee. Yeah. Well, he was in the fourth one, the fourth short that we had done. So we had to bring him back and show the origin of Getty Lee. <laughs> and, uh, so we did a, a making of, so we, you know, we, we shot all these like interview segments and he did the host segments and that was, uh, I, I feel it was equally as clever, but in kind of a different way in terms of just kind of its humor. It was very much like watching those old, like the making of Empire Strikes yeah. Back, hosted by Billy right. D. Williams or something, you know, something like that. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, I guess we just didn't have enough to do. I don't no, know. <laughs> that's not it at all. It's a creative I drive. I felt the same way. Right. When it's we were a creative doing Secret thing. Monkey. Is that yeah. I really poured a lot of myself into these things, even though they're goofy. But I was like, I want to make it as best I can with what I've got, and I at least want to make it make sense. You know, I put a lot. I say I put a lot of thought into the story. I put thought into the story. You know, so that the you know that the hero has a tragic background, and uh, you know the, this guy's that, and the, you know I gave I tried to do the best I could to make them three dimensional with what I had, which was a twenty one year old's brain and a bunch of teenagers from the small town, <laughs> and no budget. And it's it's yeah. in a way it's like you know you, you don't maybe learn about maybe Durson didn't learn more about filmmaking till he actually went to school for it after doing this stuff, but it's like proof of concept like yeah. maybe actually this is pretty good and somebody might be like oh yeah let's do something more with this now it would yeah. just be on tiktok or something you know yeah. right yeah. well that's yeah that's but the crazy. other thing is too that everything would be so much easier to do now yeah um, any sort of effect stuff we did which was a lot of fire stuff so that was not dangerous at all we were <laughs> taking a hairspray and not at all no. and uh no not at all we could good and, and, you know, just trying to do real basic stuff is so easy now with computers and you could just and make it look good and stuff. I did a um, a Durst and the Firestarter movie poster several years later when I had yeah. Photoshop and things like that. And uh, I was like, oh, man, if I only had this, you know, six years earlier or whatever it was and could have done so much more with it. I got to find that. That's I really uh, like. I still had I, I had it hanging in my drum room for a little while and then oh, nice. I moved things around. But Yeah. It's just a good time. We were all friends, and we were having fun, and we were like going to school and learning shit and making movies after school and playing in bands and playing video games. It's a good time. Yeah. Slidey McPhee. Yeah, Slidey McPhee, Earthworm Jim. <laughs> Glad you remember something from that. It's yeah. I'm. I can't remember anything really. I mean, I remember big, I big things. That's that's fine. As long as you remember the big things. We remember the minutia sometimes. So together, that's why we make a good drink. I mean, I basically remember kind of shooting, but it was in Durson's front yard, maybe. You were in for school. For that scene. You were in school at the time. You lived at school, right? No, it wasn't I, my front yard. It was John's backyard, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, my, so maybe if I was my, home uh, for... Father's yeah. office. 
I lived, I did live at school unless it was, and if it was like 93, then I came home for the summer and then I stayed that summer and then never again did I go back to live with my parents like for a summer because it was a nightmare. (laughs) I got an apartment after that. I stayed, I stayed in Boston after that. Boston, North Dakota? Well, well, I kind of remember shooting. I kind of remember that a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a lot. It was like maybe three or four scenes at the most. Uh, Yeah. So, but I was, I was, it was from like you know, I'm not speaking for Randy, but like kind of like in that like way, it was like I'm really glad I'm like a small little thing in this. You know what I mean? Like I like doing this. It was always funny though when people, I didn't know anyone. <laughs> just people kept showing up, and I was like, "All right." And so you know, you give them a part, you'd be like, "Okay, you're going to be the 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 soldier, and you're going to be the other soldier, and here's what you're going to say." And then everybody wanted to ad lib and make their parts real big, and I always felt like a jerk, being like, "No, just do what what yeah. the story requires." Like you're it, part of a bigger thing here. You're yeah, yeah don't ruin the movie not ruin it but i mean don't like bury yourself in the park <laughs> well, i mean you're gonna contradict something else you know yeah. or whatever because we did shoot out of sequence a lot we most we changed our clothes a lot in one scene yeah you know I mean? like, i'll try we, I, I did my best to kind of wear the same outfit for most of it most of it i did but yeah there's a couple scenes where it just changes and it's like fuck yeah. it who cares whatever right where does Ash get his gun? Yeah. Ah, fuck yeah. it. Stop worrying about it. And I, was ta- I started taking Taekwondo at the time so we could have better fight scenes. Mm. So That's right. I believe Randy was taking Kenpo at the time, too. So we uh, brought those in. But you didn't have a fight together. That would have, that would, I suppose that would have been in the sequel. You <laughs> <laughs> guess it would have been. Maybe we could uh, do it now. Yeah, right. I mean, but yeah, it was, we, we did other stuff too. Like occasionally we were like, Hey, you want to film? And we would go around. And I remember one time we, it was like a snow day or something. And you were like, Hey, let's go and film something. And oh, yeah. we just ran around the woods. It was, we that called was... it Captain Stardust. Yeah. And he fought Demolition Man before there was a Demolition Man. <laughs> yeah. The Stallone, before the yeah. Stallone Demolition Man. Yeah. He's uh, from the Chicago Demolition Man. That's, that's, that's right. And then you said, Darson, I just want you to. To, to direct this one yeah look at that huh? and i did and then i sent the tape when i was applying to college oh god i, can't I sent it they... to syracuse <laughs> and i got turned down no i got into their film program and i got a oh, nice i got a scholarship and i was like tell me it wasn't that's why i refer to my my home as castle stardust and there's also like lake stardust and mount stardust here that's uh <laughs> that's my little joke castle stardust plays guitar. captain stardust because there was a, a puppet show called captain scarlet and when i was in another band with uh, with the real jerky guy who's got together with my ex weird dummy he used to always refer to me as sean stardust for some reason and so there we go i took captain scholar he was kind of a weirdo that's probably he was just a weird dummy in general and yeah he was a weird dummy and so that's how he came up with uh captain stardust wow yeah i mean in retrospect i don't know like the school that i actually ended up going to was not 
they didn't require you to send a film to get into their film did you though program and did no you? i didn't i suppose i should have but it wasn't required so i didn't do it and then i got accepted like provisionally meaning like if i failed the class they could just throw me out but dude but they can didn't. i tell you something me too oh, I, yeah. when i went to mass art north mass North Dakota North art. Dakota art. <laughs> uh, no, but honestly, like I had, and, and it is funny, like, you know, if we're, we'll maybe talk a little bit about college and like art school a little bit, this, in art school, film school. Like I had like a lot of drawing skills and I thought I was wanted to be like a painter. I thought I was going to draw a lot, maybe draw comics or something. I didn't end up doing that, but they were like, Academics are like pretty bad, but you get a you get a bachelor's degree here that requires academic class. It's an actual like it's not a, it's not like a an academic school plus right. art. But they were like your grades are so bad, it's like you can't mess up or you're out of here. Your portfolio is good, and it was like charcoal drawings of like still life and stuff. I would be like, yeah, I guess this is like kind of okay. But if I look at it now, but you know, it's your high school portfolio, whatever. But like, yeah, I didn't, I probably could have submitted even my part in Dearth of the Firestarter, like from <laughs> what I ended up doing at school. But, uh, but yeah, I came right. back, you know, I just, I came when, when I went to school, I was, I like, was like, okay, I'll, I'll take these classes. And they were, they were academic classes at an art school. So they weren't really that hard. So it wasn't hard for me to yeah. pass them, except for that it did take me. In the four-year program, it did take me five years to graduate, but lots of people did that. They called it the five-year plan at MassArt, which I did. I finished <laughs> up at Roxbury Community College for some credits in an English class that I missed or something, and, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I was also on academic probation when I showed up to school. Yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't that, because I, I think it was just if you, if my GPA fell below a certain level or whatever they could just legally just throw me out and i ended up getting like two a's and then like a b plus and whatever i mean it wasn't even close like it wasn't in danger but because yeah you're right the classes back then were you know my, my <laughs> first my first semester at art school was just the worst i mean it was great i loved it i had a lot of <laughs> friends and stuff there i made a lot of friends and i had a great time but it was like grueling like the because well mrs elder that's where i met her was at art school and she said the same thing like just like hours that you had to you know show up at the first class at 8 7 38 in the morning and then stay until 8 30 at night and then you still had to do your homework assignments and shit and it was just ugh. and Not most likely commute yeah i so, don't that's uh, like no time left in the day yeah, yeah like on wednesdays i had like a five hour gap between classes and i was like this blows you know but we used to uh Skip a lot of classes too. <laughs> the yeah. First year, well, I my first during, year. I think that was during my five-hour gap. So, and my sister yeah. went to the school right behind mine, and you were just up the way on yeah. the train ride. And so we all just used to yeah. meet. And then you'd be time for you to go back to class and be like, "Come on, just hang out like, more yeah, with us. You don't have, you have five hours to kill." And I so sometimes I... would hang out with your sister Carolyn when yeah. she was going to school there. Yes. Yeah, but we didn't really all hang day. out. It was uh, no, I don't think weird so. dark time, and it wasn't like a well, I think bad that, thing. It was just like a weird. Nah, I think there was a happened. little bit of sh we were shunned a little bit because of um, just because you were dating my sister, and then my sister ended up going out with your friend who was in my band, so we got right, 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 in with him a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, we totally would have hung out with you. I'm yeah, sure, you know. 
Yeah, yeah I know. No that was the thing. We were sort of a little, little like, oh, we we didn't do anything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, hang out right. with us. That's what happens. Well, we made up for a lot of time, I would say. I would mm. say, yes, yes. But yeah, we were. I remember though during that time because you were still some. You were like a name that still got brought up, and I do remember. I don't remember how I knew about this. Someone had said to me, "You should. You would be good at spoken word." I said, "I don't know if that's true," but I went to Newbury Comics in North Dakota, and I was flipping through spoken word CDs, and one of them, lo and behold, had your name on it, and I was like, "Well, I better buy this. <laughs> See what this is all about." Thank you. <laughs> and you were the one. You. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I ended up selling it. Sorry to. I mean, I've sold most, oh, almost all of my all CDs. The time now you don't need to. I know I don't need to hear a spoken word, but I remember listening to it and being like, I don't think I'd be good at this at all. Whoever suggested it, thanks. But <laughs> but I listened to it. It was it was crazy. You had you made a spoken word CD. Uh, did... yeah, yeah. How did that come about? Well, okay. How... The dates are going to get real screwy for me, but like, so I'll, and I'll keep it like kind of short, but I go to Mass Art and I start, I, I realize quickly that I don't want to do like painting and drawing. My, I take like some basic oil painting classes and the professor's just like, These, this isn't good. You know what I mean? Like, you're not good at this. <laughs> oh no. And I was like, oh, but there's basically an open major at Mass Art, which is called the Studio for Interrelated Media. And you can do whatever you want. It's almost like open major. You you can do video, you can do sound, you can do <laughs> you can do you can do painting, you can do sculpture, you could do whatever. But it wasn't, and you get a degree in just like whatever it is you choose to focus on. So I started seeing some people, and like I was inspired by like Jello Biafra and Henry Rollins doing spoken word albums, and then I, and I met my friend Duncan, who's we later made the CD and 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 everything. And my my friend Rich was like writing letters to um he was write, making zines. He would write letters to companies like Dear Lever Two Thousand. Why are why is it Lever Two Thousand? It says for all the two thousand parts, but I only count one part that it cleans the skin. Signed, Mister <laughs> Rich Mackett. Right. So he made a he had like kind of this thing, and then a part of our it, it like relates to what I do now actually so it's like part of class was like putting on a show so like you could be like the producer of the show and like set up the lights and the sound and have a roster of people that perform or show their artwork or whatever so every week i would get stoned and then <laughs> i'd sign up i'd sign up to read uh poetry in my class and then i would just i would write something right before i went into <laughs> class to read it and I would like read like a poetry thing, and it's a little bit like, you know, we didn't have the word then. It's a little cringy if I listen to stuff now because it's like kind of like appropriation of like rap. But I, I was trying to do like almost like acoustic rap. Like nobody, I didn't have music or anything, but I was like kind of rapping. That was like kind of my, you know, like cadence or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I, I just did that and it wasn't good. And then I got better. <laughs> And then it, well, and then know. we would just we started just doing that and like then this other this kid Duncan comes in and starts doing it and like putting on these shows which were basically our class was like a show and then we put on shows at the Lansdowne Street Playhouse which was part of Mamakin Music Hall owned by Aerosmith right okay. so we would do like a poetry we would take like our class and put it in like a club 
and people would come and see us. And then even the Middle East where I work, where, you know, I still work now. I did in 1996, we had a show at the Middle East upstairs and I got kicked out for drinking underage there. That's how young I was. <laughs> but my parents came in to see me perform on stage for uh, poetry in front of everybody. And uh, we, we put together the show. And um, so I want to get to it quickly. <laughs> There's a couple of big highlights. So Duncan and I and Rich, basically for my senior thesis, almost, uh, we invite Jim Carroll, who wrote The Basketball Diaries, oh, yeah. to come up to Boston and do a spoken word show because that, that like what he did was like read poetry. We did that show with him. That was a big deal. My parents came. My niece Darby was like a little baby and she was crying and Jim Carroll was like, get that baby out of here. <laughs> and, stuff. Oh, no. and we, we went and picked him up from the train station and hung out with them and stuff. So it was like my first like rock star experience, like talking to anybody famous. And then, so after like we graduated, we decided to, you know, kind of that same year, like I put out the CD, is four of us on it. And because we wanted to be Henry Rollins, we wanted to be like Jell Biafra, like they have all these spoken word CDs that we've been listening to and being inspired by. Then we went on tour. We went on tour for a week. We went out as far out to like uh, Chicago. And oh it was like kind of like a North northeast kind of tour we went out for a week you know maybe played like four or five shows didn't make any money but and we had like um we had like one of the first like cell phone like a car phone it was like a that hit, that we had to drive out to duncan's uh parents house in uh in like worcester and the thing was like a, a big briefcase and it's like in case of emergency you can call us it probably costs like 20 dollars to make a phone call on it but in case of emergency you could call on this thing and uh, yeah, so then actually in a similar sort of way where you're saying like people started to recognize you and stuff, like we got a write up in the Phoenix and and like people started to know that that's kind of what we did and people would be like, oh, hey, I have your CD. And then other people that I would meet like later on in my professional life would be like, oh, I had your CD. Like it would happen like in, in fun sort of ways. Like it'd be like, oh, I on tour without a band or they like quote something yeah. I said on the CD. And, uh, but yeah, that was our whole thing. It was like, we're on, we don't have a band. All, all our friends are out on, in bands on tour all the time. We were like, we're on tour without a band. We're spoken word guys. But I that's sort of, that's sort of it. How did you get like a CD though? Like our actual, like at the time you guys were making a lot of demo tapes or even maybe a couple of years before that, I guess. But oh. like, you guys would get together and record tapes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like at a recording studio and then you would yeah get tapes made and we would all like, I remember giving John and, and our friend Brahm and, and various who played, other who guitar players. The, the general in the movie. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, like you guys would have tapes. Well, yeah, exactly. eventually places started doing CD. Yeah, I guess. Too. Well, what we did was since we did perform live a lot, and we would perform shows like in our classroom, but we would not during class time. So we would like be like the spoken word show in the classroom, North 175, you know, <laughs> put up right. flyers everywhere, like, you know, and uh, we would record it, you know, like from the soundboard and, you know, not too di dissimilar to how we like record our podcast now, whatever, but we record it to tape. And then, so we had all the, all this material from various recordings. And then the, the the guy, Anthony Flackett, that's like kind of the black sheep of that. He's a professor there. 
now oh, really? still teaching like multimedia and stuff. And his stuff was all produced music, more like what you'd think, more like rap songs almost, but like a little bit of beatbox and stuff like that. He's just a real creative guy. But we asked him to be part of this CD thing, but it was expensive. So like we all needed to pitch in like $600 for, uh, I think I did the CD layout. Uh, Duncan did the, the cover. Uh, Duncan took the photos for the cover. I did the like the layout and design. You know, we had to get it mixed and mastered and all the, and then we had to get it manufactured. So there was a place out in Worcester, CD manufacturing place. We sent them like probably a, a DAT, you know, like a oh, yeah, yeah. audio tape. Yeah, yeah we did this. That was it was mixed and mastered down to that, sent them the thing. And this actually is a funny story that you mentioned it. Because I forget about this, and then sometimes I remember it when I feel like someone's being greedy. So we went out there, and like, so $600 times four, that's like, what, 2400 bucks. We have it in cash, because we're like, I don't know, I'm like working at the ice cream store or whatever, you know? <laughs> and like scraping together money to put this together. And we drive out there and like give them the dat and like a CD burned with like the art files on it. And here you go lady there's like a little office and we're like oh we're here to drop off our cd yep that's the one and the guy goes like hey you know marge or whatever marge he like you know like screaming at someone in the back room hey marge these guys are here to drop off that cd because you know we probably have to call them on the phone and make an appointment or something but anyways and she goes yeah and she says something like yeah get that money and she was like give me that money she was like, wow. like really greedily, like, like anticipating us handing over like twenty four hundred dollars to them, because oh, who knows yeah. like what the profit was on that? Probably a lot, you know, like right. But you know, it cost them. Yeah, they had to produce the CDs, shrink wrap them, and everything, that and then so what? Whatever. But you know, it was definitely like someone like. I don't think that she meant for us to hear that, <laughs> but we're just sitting there. You know what I mean? And it was like kind of awkward. And then, of course, then when it's done, we also have to drive all the way the fuck out there, pick up all the CDs, throw them in Duncan's car, and then drive back. And then, like, for forever, I've had so many, like, move, I'd move here and there and boxes and boxes of CDs. So forever, I still have a few. Uh, I've had, like, been moving around, like, we print so lowest you could print at the time was a thousand CDs. So we had a thousand wow. CDs, yeah. and you know, generously we maybe sold at shows and stuff like a hundred. You know what I mean? Or like right. bring them to we push it. You know, push it in Newbury Comics. We're in the paper, and like more people heard about the CD than actually like listened to it or bought it. And so like creating around these things and then the same thing happened with my bands later it's like i have all these fucking cds what am i going to do with them all they but yeah we did oh, yeah <laughs> same thing yeah with exactly same, same, with, same with comics same yeah. thing with comics but yeah that's how that's the origin of the cd and i'm very proud of that stuff but yeah it's uh it's a it, much you guys are making movies and you know I, I like was like always trying to play in a band but then i had this other kind of like small time spoken word career and we were always doing like slam poetry was really big at the time but we weren't doing that like we were like our show is going to be different like everybody gets two minutes you get up there and read your thing and then get the fuck off the stage we're going to put like 
20 people on stage. Everybody does like two, three, maximum five minutes. And then, of course, we'd get somebody to be like reading a 15 minute thing and be like, dude, this is not we're like a fast paced thing, like move it along. But it's like the guys at Durst and the Firestarter who wanted to to increase their parts. Yeah, it's it's always the way. But it's 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 to me at the time. Right. Like the grass was always greener. When I saw that, I think I was like, son of a bitch. You know, what I, mean? like, I think I was like mad at you. Speaking so, speaking of tour, I, I, I we sh- probably should have asked Yoda to be on, but he also had a, yeah. a, a CD come out and they toured uh, the, the band Junction 18. And it was like recently listed on like the top 100 indie something or something like that. I, I'm not sure. I, 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 people I love it. that. People love that band. They're they are. You know, across the country, people love that band. They think they list them as one of the top pop punk bands ever. Like people really love it. You, the grass is always greener thing is is funny because yeah, I was doing that, especially you know at the height of my horniness. I was trying to be the coolest dude ever. You know what I mean? So like mission accomplished in a way, but also it wasn't like that easy. And then also like I didn't sell a thousand spoken word CDs. There was no demand. You know what I mean? It's almost like the podcast. We put it out. We know some people listen to it, but it's not like everyone's like, that's my favorite podcast in the world. But you still yeah. do it. Right. But I was like writing scripts and everything. And I thought I was going to be. And I'm like, this, oh, he's got a CD. You know, not knowing that you have a giant box of them. And, you know, and that like, some lady's like, yeah, give me that. Like, yeah, some, right. But I mean, I, the, here's time, all of our here's all of our art. Right. We poured our heart into it. Here's like everything so precious. This is like basically like, as I said before about the Jim Carroll show, it's like my senior thesis. Like this is what I accomplished in college. This is the thing. This is it. And some ladies just like, give me that money. Yeah, let's make like, you know green. I mean? Let's get those chumps money in here. Those stupid. <laughs> it, what, it basically, I think I, I think almost John, I almost think she did say, let's get those chumps money. I almost, it was like, it was more get those chumps money than just like, give me the money. It was like, it, she said something really shitty that when we were all just sitting there. It was like, wow. Show me the money. It's not cool. Yeah. I mean, at the time, you know, I think I was working in a video store. John, I, John was probably also working in a video store. <laughs> like, you know, but I had these aspirations, obviously. And I'm like, well, how come Clay's thing is on a shelf at Newberry Comics? And I got nothing. You know, like, I mean, I I don't know. Well, I'm like, in the, I'm in Coolidge Corner decorating ice cream cakes just to pay my rent. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's was no glory. There's, you ended right. up in Wizard Magazine. So That's right. We did get in Wizard Magazine. I always, I always called the secret monkey highly acclaimed, poorly selling. Yeah, well, we barely, when we were in Wizard, we didn't actually have any issues to sell. No, it was a, that so, was a webcam yeah. at the time. So, yeah, by the time we got a comic out to sell, it was like nobody, <laughs> you know, people weren't paying attention anymore. But, but yeah, I mean, like, it is cool to see your thing. Like, man, I've had comics on the shelves in stores, and I'm like, yeah, look at that. And I remember one time walking into the store, and someone was actually buying it. Well, oh, that's even while better. I was walking in, and like they were like, "Oh, that's the guy right there," and I was like, "Oh my god, you're buying!" Like, What's wrong you. with you? you <laughs> I mean, I mean... <laughs> tell your friends, please. Yeah, all right, I know. That's our way too. I think. I guess it's probably something we should. Bring. At least my way is always to be like, kind of, yeah. What's wrong with you? Or like, I hope you like it because I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, I'm never like. Oh yeah, I guess I'm, it's always I'm apologizing not... for it. 
Yeah, I'm that. I know one time we were going out to have lunch or something, and the woman was asking what we were doing. We were working on ideas. I was working professionally as a comics person at the time, and the woman asked what we were doing. I was like, oh, well, we're comic professionals. And she's like, oh, really? And Durson goes, eh, no, not really. And I was like, well, now you <laughs> made us look like a couple of jerks. And I am no, a comic And you were a comic professional. Well, you said we... And I'm trying to build you up. I know, I know. It was that. See, that is. It's always the way. This is why I don't do anything really, (laughs) other than this, I guess. But that was always my. I think always my roadblock. I thought, why would someone give me money for this? It was just. It all started that day in the high school cafeteria when Randy came up to me and said, "I love it. I want to be in one." I'm like, "Why? What's wrong with you?" Yeah, you were always downplaying. Like, it's like, oh, it's not very good. And, this, and I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm writing all this stuff. Stop saying that. <laughs> no, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I was always like that. Well, you know, always... the thing these days is now to come out with a sequel 40 years later. So That's I'm right. going to start writing it tonight. Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> you would be all like right. Expendables or, or like a, a soft reboot thinking, that you do later yeah, like, or something, like you know? Ghostbusters, Afterlife, or something like that, where we'll only show yeah. up in the movie for the last like three minutes. Aren't they doing another Ghostbusters? Yeah. Too? yeah. Oh, God. Just stop, guys. Yeah, they should have I mean, just stopped after the first one. Same thing with Robocop. Know. Stop. Yeah. You did it. You got it right. Right. Don't, don't do it anymore. That's like we did with Durst and the Forest. Yeah. Stop after that. <laughs> you, you got know, it really, right. Yeah, got it right. Done. I don't know. P- people generally, like, as much as I get down on myself, like, the first, like, that first signing I had on, a on of, like, Robin Hood back in uh, whatever, like, it was almost 10 years ago. Or, but, like, people were just excited because I didn't have a price on the thing. I was like, whatever you want to pay. And some people were like, here's. Twenty dollars, and I'm like, that's hey, that's good. That's a lot for a single comic book, but they were just happy to support now, someone. Sounds the average. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> two ninety nine at the time. I remember DC Comics. You're like, oh, we're holding the line at two ninety nine. And so I was like, oh, I should charge like three seventy five or something or whatever. But the first issue was the best thing. Like you can only do that like once, probably, I guess. But that was like I made the most money that way. And, uh, yeah, people just be like, here, here's some money. Just help you out. But, I mean, uh, you know, it's great. Like, I think as far as things like selling CDs at shows or any kind of merch, which we've done, sometimes people are fans and some people just want to help out, you know, because they know this is the way to do it. I I know because Clay has asked me to help him right. work, the, work yeah. the merch, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and then I always feel like I'm I'm not trying to be down on uh, us ourselves or say anything about in, anything you guys have made, but kind of speaking for the group, like anytime we have something and we have a table set up, we're like, you could buy this stuff here. Like people are just like, yeah, that's cool. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to I, see yeah, you. I know. <laughs> it's like so like, <laughs> oh man, okay. like why don't you want the comic or the CD yeah, or like, why don't you, you know, I do. Help? spoken word show and like have a box of cds like, hey i have cds over there no for some reason these people just don't want to give me money for my stuff like i see some of these things on kickstarter now and these people are making thousands and thousands and i'm like wow like i've never like i made i did have a kickstarter i had to beg and plead everybody to get it and now like it's just weird the modern day equivalent i guess with a you know is kickstarter and, and gofundme type things but like I, 
And I told you, okay, Thurston, I told you at Comic-Con, I went there and this, you know, I'm at the karaoke thing. I'm having a good time and I'm trying to like, I'm just, I'm there by myself, but like, I'm a, I like to talk to people and kid in front of me is like, Hey, oh, yeah. you know, I got a book, I got a book. Oh yeah. Cool. Like, you know, tell me about it. It's like the X-Files meets James Bond or something. I was like, okay, yeah, hey, that sounds cool. And if it was $5 and in his bag, I would have been like taking out my wallet, giving him cold hard cash. But I was like, oh, so how much is the book? And he's like, $20, like for a, a single issue. Oof. And not <laughs> not saying anything about production costs and you're, you're an independent person. And I get, you know, I totally get it. And I was like, oh, well, thanks. Uh, uh, it's a little, I think I actually even said $20, you know, like. <laughs> As well as should. Durson voice, $20, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, but then exactly. I, and then I'm like, well, you know, it's you like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like kicks. He's like, yeah, I got a Kickstarter. If you want to get the digital version and I'm thinking, oh, great. Like maybe it's $20 for the printing cost, and I'll give him five bucks. I, Cause I do, I will support Kickstarters and just get the PDF or whatever, just to give sure. the $5. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Or $7, but less than 10 you know? Like, uh, and he's like, yeah, well, you get print and digital for $40. It's like his pitch Good to me. Lord. It's like, how do you want me to support your thing, dude? Like, you're not helping he's, me at all. You know what I mean? Like, well, basically, we're counting on you only, Clay, to get this. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was so bizarre. Like, it was like, and he was sitting right in front of me, and I didn't want to be... I'm trying to be like nice, but also kind of trying to be like, dude, that's way too much fucking money, you know? Like, yeah. I, I just don't know. And like he, but he caught me on the wave of, if it was five dollars, I would have no question just bought a, like a regular comic, draw the line at four ninety nine. You know, here you go. Of course, here's five dollars of, of my money. I don't know anything about your book. I don't know you from Adam. I don't know anything about this. You're talking to me like we're having a conversation. This is fine. It didn't work for me at all on the show floor, but for some reason, you're talking to me now. We're at karaoke. We're having a good time. And then I was just kind of like, dude, 20 bucks. Like, yeah. What the fuck? I'm in New York City. Like, how am I going to eat? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's, that's New York City deal. price right there for a cup. Yeah. Oh, it was well, so, it, it was the audacity was out of control yeah i was just like yeah, what that's that's the word for it and then you said he turned to like the guy next to you or whatever to gave the exact same like spiel I think, oh right? yeah yeah which yeah. was actually funny because i mean i wasn't dressed up but the the person next to me was like one of the uh remember the the venture brothers they had oh, yeah. the um the the monarch they're they're like dressed up like monarch butterfly they're like the the henchmen He's like, he like, this guy like kind of sits down and it looks exactly like you would picture him, like the henchman and a monarch. <laughs> and then he just says it to this same guy. And I'm like, geez, it didn't work with me. Things don't work with this fucking guy. Like maybe this guy, he, this guy looks like he put a lot of time and effort into his costume. He must yeah. have a lot of money. You must have money. It was, yeah. It was just, it was a strange interaction. And we talked you about said, that before. You just said to the guy. And like, look, it just go watch Durst the Firestarter. That's that's at my actual yeah. role in that movie is real life. I'm the beggar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, money. the hobo. Guy. Or, <laughs> but it would be like it's almost the equivalent of being like, oh, I have this 25 year old CD. Yeah, it costs um, 
looking at it on Discogs. It's going for thirty dollars. Give me thirty dollars for this spoken word CD that you've never heard of. It's way out of date and it's probably an appropriate stuff on there. But yeah, thirty dollars <laughs> though. That's how yeah, much it costs. Like, Even I mean, though I have a box you, of them at home. Yeah, you could just be you could do that. I mean you could say like you don't even have to tell them it's thirty years old. You you could just or say, I could be like, hey, do you want to trade? CD. Yeah, and I'd be like, well, I'm. I say this is worth twenty dollars. You say your comic's worth twenty dollars. Okay, swappy swappy. Oh my god, I've actually. Uh, I mean, I I remember going to conventions with both Seeker Monkey and Robin Hood, and have and another independent creator comes up and says like, "Oh, do you want to? Do you want to trade?" And I mean, yeah, basically swap. Want to got anything you want to swap? Anyway, so like, but like as much as I used to get down on our stuff, I would get this other person's book and be like, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah. I put way more effort and I didn't even draw the thing, but like, you could just tell like, this is like, it's like, Oh, I just, I just got reamed on that deal. You know? Yeah. Like, but yeah. Hey, and you also, sometimes you walk away just cause you have a pleasant conversation and pay $5 for somebody's comic and it's absolute right. trash and it ends we, up in the recycling bin. But you know, you, you felt good about it. He's like, Oh, that guy seemed cool or whatever, you know? Whatever. Yeah. I know. I mean, well, I guess the thing that's like kind of a different thing. I mean, like, like you said, like if we made Dirt the Parser now, it'd be different. It'd be on TikTok or whatever or YouTube. It, it might be on YouTube. I don't know. Parts of it. Uh, it, it used to be. I, I oh, took okay. it down. Oh, some stuff probably. was getting copyright strikes where some of the music was used. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Uh, so I just took it. Oh, down. Clay. Oh, oh okay. no. Um, but like, this was pre all that, obviously. And then, like, now it's, I don't want to. People have it easy almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to get your stuff out there. There's a lot yeah. more stuff to to make it professional sounding. You don't need to go to a recording studio. You don't need to buy high end camera right. equipment and things like that. You can do it, it on your phone. Was, something about the the desperation of um yeah I'm not taking credit for what you guys did, but like the like what the art. Uh, just the struggle of just trying to do something and you don't exactly have the right stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's something really special about that that you, that a person now that has all the tools well, to then get to, to struggle. Yeah. You know the, what I mean? The struggle is part of it. Certain artists thrive with those kind of limitations. It forces you to be more clever. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I think. Maybe they don't have to be as clever these days, you know, like, or maybe they could just concentrate on the actual art of it and not have to worry so much about how are you going to get it, get people to see it, which is definitely something that we worried about or not. I mean, we didn't think making a movie would make us famous or we will, you know, we just thought it was a fun thing to do, I guess. So, yeah. although I wish... It would be something that they would show clips of on Conan O'Brien, like you said, <laughs> one day when I was famous. But yeah, I mean, the struggle was real back then. So, um, yeah. besides Durst and the Firestarter, do either one of you want to talk about like other, like, I mean, John, we've talked before about like you getting into comics. I know a little bit of that story or like Durst and like, what you ended up doing like in college that were like some kind of cool projects or some maybe filming or something like that. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about whatever. 
Yeah, I don't know how we want to. Uh, I guess my college films though weren't really worth discussing. Very. But much. what did you do? Like, give us an example because I've I've never seen him or anything. You know, like uh, how no, did it work out? Um, it was really weird. Like at least at the beginning, because I was I was I took film classes and we had bolexes, so they were on film and they you know you had to shoot. Oh, I thought you meant a bowflex. No, not a bowflex. <laughs> <laughs> Bolex was the brand of camera. It was really old. This was in the late nineties. They were on film, and they had to, you had to wind them. I think you could shoot however many seconds. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember we now. The thing in a in yeah, the we garage. I had you guys in it. You know, because there were assignments, though. You know what I mean? Like it had to be film a guy running, or you know what I mean? There were certain things you had to do that were part of the assignment, like in some of these classes. The first one I ever did was literally like show a guy walking and I would show a guy walking. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, I didn't do anything creative at all. It was so bad. Like I was like, why didn't I try to make it a little more fun? You're like, why isn't John here to do this? <laughs> That's probably <laughs> what I did. I'm the dialogue guy. I know. But I also, because I'd commuted, like we talked about earlier, I, we had to rent a camera and I didn't want to have to go in like more than once like or make a special trip just for that so i would get the camera shoot like that day and then bring it back you know like yeah you know, i didn't want to have to like take a camera out multiple times the the place yeah, you, yeah so like from the school yeah and so yeah. like it was all about getting it done and so like i was not very creative with all my college films and i'm kind of disappointed in it, i guess in that cuz it's nothing time, really worth time to start up again then yeah maybe i'll go get a bullet <laughs> they're probably not that expensive we had like, a place called the the cage where you like could go and check out like any kind of audio stuff or video stuff like and they had old shit from the 70s in there like you could get like um i remember shooting a little bit in college where i had like a camera on my shoulder and the tape was a vhs tape but you had to have it strapped around oh, so yeah. like a oh, separate yeah. thing yeah. Those are awesome. and you had to and, and they were like yeah this is like you know the founder of the sim program this is the video camera he used like first vhs camera it was high tech 20 years yeah. ago yeah i mean i think funny the funny thing about it let me just to put a capper on my college film career i guess was like we used the Bolexes, and I literally think like the next year or year or two later, they phased those out, and everybody was using digital cameras. And I, I, so I was just at the like the wrong time of of it. You know, I feel like if I was able to use a digital camera, and I didn't have to buy film, which we had to do, we had to buy our own film, pay to have it developed at this place down in Southie or whatever, which I had to find as a kid you know like i don't know i didn't know my way around that area but i knew where this this place was and you know if i was able to just concentrate more on the actual movie instead of being it, like it okay, wasn't really like it wasn't really like video like you shot thirst and the fire starter video like yeah, i remember yeah. there was like a big yeah. jump between vhs and sbhs and and eight uh, millimeter and high eight well, yeah. not eight millimeter, but one of the, the video reasons, versions. One of the reasons that we did Dirt and the Firestarter as a humorous movie was because video always looks like shit. And so we're like, well, we already know it's going to look crappy. It'll look like a BBC production of Doctor Who in, <laughs> in the 70s. Um, 
so we'll just we'll just be goofy in it and uh and that way that kind of eliminates any people saying like well this yeah. doesn't look good yeah, like yeah we, no yeah 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 that's part of part like, of the joke yeah. yeah but that was i feel like that's something that's always been kind of uh I don't know. Somehow it's always just bad timing. Uh, like even yeah. with Secret Monkey, trying to do a web comic. Yeah. Back well, in the day when no know, one else was doing. The it. weird thing about Secret Monkey. Well, this is how I can get into the story of how I got into comics. Oh, is oh. the Secret Monkey is essentially what gave me my career in comics, um, because I moved out of state for a job, and I didn't know anyone, and so I didn't have any friends. I was alone. And I had written, Durst and I, I think had written the script for the Secret Monkey a year before, but I didn't do anything with it. So just to keep myself entertained, I started drawing it, and then I put it online, and then I submitted it to a website that, and they said, "Well, it's in black and white. If it's in color, we'll take it." So I colored it, and one of the other guys, Chi, who was a part of the the website liked it, and so he used to work at Marvel, and so we did a crossover with his comic, and mm. um. And then, then the the website kind of fell apart. Uh, but uh, she started doing more work in comics. He got in touch with his old editor on Transformers, and that guy worked at Tokyo Pop. So then she was like, "Hey, this guy's got some work. Do you want to do it?" And so that's how I got into doing the lettering and stuff for manga uh, was through him and his contacts, and essentially started my career. And. I think that I don't know the timeline exactly, but like there was a big like web comics boom, yeah, and I feel like you guys were a little er- before yeah, it, right? Yeah, before yeah. that, that was exactly um, that was late two thousand uh, started, and uh, yeah. and by the by two thousand and five, I was doing lettering, so you know I, I wasn't doing secret monkey stuff anymore at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, you were doing the all the art. You were, yeah, you I did were doing the, all I the did, lettering, I, all the coloring, I, I and writing a yeah. lot of it. I and then I, I'd hand it to Darson to, to, to dialogue it, and then I would just go through it and sort of add or subtract some things. And Yeah, it was like a full-time job that didn't pay, uh, on top of already <laughs> right. having another job. So That yeah. wasn't in comics. Right. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I was working at a, a magazine as a designer. Um, and then also like part of the, like the word where it splits off was going to San Diego and showing color samples, uh, and hooking up with IDW there. Mm-hmm. Like I, I talked to an editor there and he's like, uh, he's like, these are good. Here's the email, uh, address for Chris Ryle, uh, uh, send him an email in a couple of days once things settle down. And I did. And then he passed along to someone else and they said, here's a, I think a badger badger. Oh, was, yeah, I remember. Oh um, Yeah. And then that led into the Star Trek, um, the Enterprise. Ex- mm. I can never remember. It was the, the Enterprise. Mission's End. Yeah, but that's one of them. Yeah, but the oh, first Star okay. Trek I did was uh, co-written by a Star Trek writer, like from the original series, DC Fontana. I think that was the Star Trek. Oh, wow. The Enterprise Experiment, which was a sequel to the episode she wrote, The Enterprise Incident. Or it's the other way around. I can't remember. Oh, that's cool. Um, I didn't really have really a lot of cool. interaction with her, but that was like when when I got an email. I remember it specifically being in my old, uh, the old place that we lived at in my studio like area office area there, and it was uh, about seven o'clock at night on like a Friday, 
And uh, the editor's like, hey, do you want to, you'd like, uh, we need some help on this uh, Star Trek project written by DC Fontana. Uh, and I was like, what, uh, uh, you had me at, do you want to, you know, <laughs> the rest of it was just amazing. It's like, that was like one of the goals I had was to work on Star Trek. Um, so. Well, I guess there you go. This so is, mission so accomplished. Cool, yeah. I mean, like this. Mission's end. Yeah. Talk about, we've been talking about all this stuff. And the one, I mean, the thing that came out of it was actually your career. Yeah, so, actually, I mean, like, like all these things, like sort of stacked up, eventually led to where you know I am now. So, I'm not really, great. I'm not really doing American comics anymore because it just got. It, I'd say, like the comics industry in general, from my experience, is a bit on the disorganized side. Um, it usually have people that are, you know, when you have artistic people in charge of things. They're not great business people. Um, so sometimes things are <laughs> sure. just like, Ugh. but I'm not saying that was the case at IDW or anything. Everything was great there, but, um, you know, it's like if an editor leaves or something, then your contact there is gone. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's pretty much what happened with me and IDW. And yeah, uh, I, I can I just... tell you from New York Comic Con 2023, like the Viz booth was there and yeah. the image booth was not there. The Skybound booth was not there. The DC booth was not there. They had gigantic One Piece like and uh, other things of his publishes, like huge, gigantic, yeah. towering statues and stuff that everybody's taking pictures of. Everybody's dressed up like, like anime. Oh, money yeah. I saw it's, a crap ton of uh, the money. Because the money's there. Well, that's not I get it. Is is um outsells like trades and stuff in, in bookstores and on Amazon outsells Marvel and DC by a lot. Yeah. I'm sure that's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Well, like we said before, right. When movies started coming out, the comics were just sort of not even part of it. Like there's like sort of like, you know, research uh, or whatever for the movies. Yeah. They're R and D. R and D. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. So, and like you said, Clay, you kind of like, this is what you do now, like putting together shows and stuff. And you did that in college and you know, like it's these experiences do help <laughs> as much yeah. as we, yeah. It's kind of strange because I don't see, there's a clear through line, but because I've done so many different things that I don't see it as the same, you know, but I really, I guess I should, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I started as a baby producer in a classroom and now I, put on like shows with like really famous people. Uh, but the the difference being though, in the crux of our podcast here is like, I'm not doing, um, I'm, I'm proud of the stuff that we do. I love doing this podcast. I love anytime I get to go up and talk to somebody at a pan, like be a panel guy or write a column for somebody. That's a big deal for me. You know, because like I like the attention basically, but uh, <laughs> but I'm not doing like these shows and stuff that I do. I'm not essentially a part, like it's not me. I'm not like promoting myself. I'm not like putting myself on the stage, which is like this huge difference, you know. But I mean, it's still part of the process and you're still in it, you know, and it's, it's oh, yeah, no regrets. Skills over here. No that regrets. you learned. Yeah, no regrets. These things are great learning experiences. You never know what where they're going to lead so yeah i mean i hope anybody out there listening which you're not 
and you got to go to Hollywood and stuff. I, you know yeah. what I mean? Even if part of school, and, and we've talked about it before, you get to hand the script to the Columbia lady. It's like, put down your torch, I can hand you the script and stuff like that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I did do all that. I mean, obviously, yeah, there was, it was a different time, I guess we'll just say. But, and we wouldn't have thought like, oh, someday I'll do a podcast because it wasn't a thing. Yeah, None yeah. of the stuff that's around now was a thing. So, yeah. And Secret Monkey begets Robin Hood, and you made successful Kickstarter campaign. And we also had like a, a character in, in Secret Monkey named Beget. So that's right. I created. <laughs> a, you did. It was supposed to be like a Spawn kind of ripoff. Uh, uh, Beget, Beget is a good Spawn ripoff name. I gotta yeah. say, that's very know. good. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's true. All this stuff sort of begets other, you know, other things. So. It's cool. Momentum. Do we have Instead of League else? versus, it should be League begets. There's League begets. <laughs> That's right. Do we need to put a, you know, Springer's final thoughts on this, or are we good? Should we rap? Yeah, um, rap. Like, all right. Clay doesn't even need a beat to rap. As he is. Uh, I don't. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we could do, we could do a volume two on this that's like... Yeah. You know the 2000s to now. If that this was the <laughs> 90s, I think that we could right. we, we could definitely revisit this whole thing. We could go into more secret monkey stuff, and you know, like I I would love to hear more about that because it because part of like when I said I was like I don't really remember much of the Thirst of the Five Star movie. Like I learned a lot about it today that I didn't really know or or remember really. I guess you know what I mean. So yeah. I love thinking about. Well, I think, you know, we're all, we, we do this now, which is like years, years, years and years later, it begets, mm -hmm. it begets. Yes. So we could definitely talk about this some other time. I think mean, this is a great topic. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I hope if you did listen, which you didn't, uh, I hope you did too. And we will Any talk to you Any co-stars out there? There might be some co-stars. That's right. Thing, if, maybe if, Yo and... <laughs> And Major Dick, maybe Randy, Red, maybe Randy Ryan was uh, also. That's he, right. We should nasty duck. Yep. Yep. He might. He might. Maybe listen. this somebody will find this a copy of this podcast in a house they moved into in <laughs> Ohio, uh, Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And then and, and they'll they'll be like, Hey, did you guys record a recap of Durst and the Firestarter on a podcast? I found it on a CD. <laughs> that was a burn CD on top of my spoken word CD in a closet somewhere. That's right. On top of a burnt Gilgamesh CD on top of a burned. Oh yeah, we didn't living even get into, didn't even get into band stuff. So really. Yeah, no, that'll be. Right. That's the volume two. Thing. That might be the volume two or volume yeah. three expendables of Dress of the Fire Starter Beats. Yeah. yeah. Because we wrote, we wrote, a, we wrote a theme song for Durson the Fire Starter. So. That's right. That's right. Uh. Good did it all well we i didn't do anything i just well. <laughs> waved my hands around <laughs> yeah i i picture you as kind of like the band manager okay you know like sure. in spinal tap but it's like, i was i was know, actually talking about this with mrs elder a couple of weeks ago about how there was another band afterwards that we were in called plan b and durson was not in it but he and i would write a set list for the band and also like the banter that was supposed to be spoken on stage between the then and mrs elder was like that well he derson wasn't in the band and I, and I was like i know it was kind of weird but it worked 
you know? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of bands have that. If I could play, I guess yeah. it'd be one thing. But a lot of bands have that other side, the side guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. My, my guy, Primus guy that used to be the, that would hang around with him, Bob Cock, or what was that what it was? <laughs> yeah, right. Who's the hell's well, guy like, they call him Bob Cock? My friend Ben, who's the formerly a, a mighty, mighty boss tone. He like sings some backups, but he was just there to hang out and dance. And then at my old band, the Wild Zero, like Chip would come to all of our shows. And then eventually we needed a bass player and then he was just in the band, but he was always the fifth Beatle. Nice. <laughs> and eventually he joined. Um, we'll get into all that in our music episode. We'll get there. Go forward in time and listen to our music episode. But thanks for listening. Uh, if we don't record before then, happy Thanksgiving or whatever holiday you celebrate. And uh, yeah, talk to you chumps later. Uh, adios, buddies. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Dorsen, the design, 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 Dorsen, the design,